Hi, I'm Cynthia McKinney, and when I want to get educated, I listen to Renegade Culture. Yeah, Killer tape back. Listen to Renegade Culture in the building. Yo, what's up? How y'all doing out there? Man, we it's harder than times out here, man. I know, man. We back on the air again. Back again? We, so we was on the air last week. We kind of was on the air last week. Yeah, you had to be here to hear it. Yeah, I mean, we got a little, yes. our, our producer, the yes. fabulous, the one and only ear doctor, the is now yeah. a lost tape. Yes, the ear doctor was deaf tape. last week. He yeah. had it like, nobody needed to hear this shit. So apparently he forgot to hit the record button and yes. we lost our tape from last week. So we want all of y'all to know Yes. That we came in and did like a a, a kick ass show. It was like fifty minutes. I think he muted the mics. I think that's it was what like it was. fantastic. It yes. was one of the best shows ever. People and were screaming our name, everything. We were like, "Yo, okay, when that's going up?" And then he called like saying, "He's like, oh, oh, man, I lost the show." Wait, what? Man. Oh, oh man. wow, we really gonna let everybody know that? I, I, I wasn't gonna let nobody know. Black business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not incompetence, but in short, yeah, like, exactly. No. But we got. But you know what? I want to do real quick because. You know, a part of that show last week, we had a, a real serious topic. We have a serious topic today, too. But there's yes. a young brother named Oscar Kane who was killed by the police. And we brought on his murdered family. Murdered by the police. Um, and we want to bring them back at some point to talk about his case. So we're going to do some constant updates about what's going on in Oscar Kane. He was killed yes. by the Atlanta police uh, a few weeks ago. He activist shot, Oscar Kane. Uh, no, yeah, he was an activist or organizer. He act, actually did work on the body cam issue trying to make sure body cams, the police wore body cams, and it just so happened in his case, yes. in terms of his killing, that there was no body cam footage. And so we want to keep make sure that people are going to be aware about what's happening in the future on that issue. But we got a, a, another really important topic today. We're going to talk about reparations. Yes, because I think that the thing about reparations is, you know, every time you hear black folks talk about reparations, they talk about a check. And the white folks get it confused and, you know, they're like, well, we just want some money. And it's, it's bigger than, you know, some greenbacks and some funky old white dead dudes on some promissory notes. You know what I mean? So we're going to talk about what reparations is, what it means to us. And also some of these reparations movements who have been reparations organizations who have been pushing this movement for Decades. A lot of folks are talking about it like it just came out the sky a few yeah. days ago. So there's some new groups that are popping up. We want to talk a little bit too about what they, you know, who they are, what they're up to. Uh, the name is uh, American Descendants of Slaves. What they're pushing, hold and on. also talk hold about. On, man. Hold on, man. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. You said American. <laughs> they call themselves American Descendants, descendants of, of slaves. slaves of slavery of slavery. My okay, bad. American Descendants of, of slavery. slavery. No African. What's in the name? Okay, go ahead. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about who they are, where they come from. Yes. Um, some of those young people, some of them are young people, some of them. Some of older, older than like, us. Feel like they are, um, you know, right. they're trying to make the reparations movement current. Yes. And we're going to talk about some of the good, the bad with that, and talk about this current political time we're in where you got Democratic uh, 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 folks who are running on the Democratic ticket for president actually talking about reparations right. um, and having different discussions around how, like you were saying, how to categorize what reparations are. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about whether or not that's a ploy to get the black vote, whether or not yes. those folks are serious. Whether well, this would be a not. short slope show. Oh, like a, well, that, might, yeah. that part might be short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff tonight. This yes. is going to be this, the show about reparations, pan-Africanism, uh, anti-immigration stuff. As long as it gets recorded, wow. we're going to have a real good show tonight. Yes. <laughs> and if it doesn't get recorded, you will hear about the ear doctors 
walking around with one ear. One ear. Week. The one ear, ear doctor. Yes. I almost feel like we should play Biggie Smalls Get Money if we go be talking about reparations. Wow. Nah, you know, oh, see, you man. always got to cheapen things. Al Sharpton you know reparations. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, that, that's, that, that's that Morris Brown education. Yeah, and we might get into <laughs> repatriation as well because I think it's a very important topic as well. You know, but for now, you listen to Renegade Culture, we could say um, fuck the police, the U.S. Oh, government, the yeah. promissory notes, and... Uh, I'll save my other. Do you want to save some of the other ones? I appreciate yeah, that. You know how we do. Bye. Get him in, get him in. That sun is hot and plenty bright. Let's get out of business and get home tonight. Get him in. Auctioning slaves is a real high art. Bring that young gal, Roy. She's good for a start. Get him in, get him in. Now here's a real goodbye on about 15. Her great grandmama was a die homie queen. Just look at her face, she sure ain't homely. Like sheep in the Bible, she's black but comely. Bit them in. Gonna start at three. Can I hear three? Step up, chance, take a good look, see. Cause I know you want her once you see her. She's young and right, make a darn good breeder. Bit them in. What's happening? Renegade Coach is back again. Yo, we back, back, back. And we live, live, live. You like that? Yeah, you come on, we sound like the count with blah, 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 black, black. Lord, blah, blah. Y'all hating like uh, adults, you know what I'm saying? Whatever their name is. Wow. That's what I'm saying. That's right now. The views and opinions of all these guests. Right See, I always have me in the middle of some shit. I be all peaceful. What? You know what I mean? In Tibet on top of a mountain with a couple. Uh, anyway. Right, here we go. Oh, damn. And, and all of a sudden, here y'all come with the rah-rah, man. Can Sorry, I just smoke my spliff and chill? Rebel rouser. Yes. Rebel rousers. Anyway. Yo, we got a special show tonight. We're going to be talking about reparations. We got two great guests. Yes. On the mic. Uh -huh. uh, we got Brother Jared Ball, Professor Morgan State. Dr. Jared Ball. Dr. Jared Ball. That's right. The good yes. doctor. Good doctor. <laughs> Brother online. You can find him at I Mix What I Like. Brother Jared, how you doing? I'm as good as can be expected. Always good to catch up with all of you. Thank you. Good, man. good, good. I mix what I like. What I like. I like that joint. You like man. that? Come on, man. <laughs> you, look, you, you did the hard, same man. thing, though. You did it twice, like what? me. You That's how it's doing. I mix what I like. What I like. Yeah, but I wasn't doing it like you. Your oh, words is kind of whack. Yeah, but anyway, so um, right. anyway. Our other guest in the studio is Brother Jamoke Ifatayo. That's Reverend uh, Jamoke Ifatayo. Well, he got a lot of long names, that yes. brother. So I'm a, I'm a, he gonna be mad. I'm gonna keep it short. We call him he, Passer. He's the Atlanta co-chair of um, of Incobra. Yes. Uh, he is a leader, activist, organizer. He's been in the Pan-African movement for like, I would say 25, 30 years. Uh, this brother's a hard worker. Been doing a lot of good work in the community, brother. How you doing? And I know that's real short on your bio. <laughs> Super short. So I really appreciate you, uh, like not not getting. Jamoke got a manuscript. I'm I know he gave me like I was like this is like five pages. Yeah, AKA one good. of the best dancers in the ATL. Uh oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh -oh. I didn't tell him this. That. You got yeah. a story, brother. Uh oh. Oh yeah, that's why the bio's so long. Ah. <laughs> you heard that man say. Anyway. This show right here sounds like it's starting off wild. Jamoke dancing. There'll be no dance to <laughs> renegade culture tonight. Howsoever, we're going to be doing our dance in the chest of some of this uh, mess that's going on right now. Um, reparations. You know, a lot of folks are talking about reparations. And like everything else, you got you have a whole new generation of folks who come in and, you know, they act like the wheel's just been invented. And while we applaud folks for their efforts, because of the fact it's very important that we don't take the the role of the, the, the old hater, how they dealt with hip-hop mm -hmm, back in the day. Mm -hmm. Like, that ain't music, that ain't organizing. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying pay homage to those who came before you and to the work and the efforts and energies yeah. that have been put forth way before any of us were even thought of by our parents and grandparents. Anyway, my man Jamoke, man, what was some, um, you know, you've been pushing reparations for 
150 years, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you been out here, you know what I mean? You running up and down the street like Fred Douglas, you know what I mean? I, I, we want to know, like, when, when we talk about reparations, what is the definition, what is the standard definition of ENCOBRA? And tell the folks what ENCOBRA is. Sure, ENCOBRA stands for the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. And it was formed, um, well, I say February 1988. And it was a first meeting is on record as September 27, 1987, when, they actually, when we actually incorporated as a formal structure was in February 1988. Um, and let me just back up. I would like to also just acknowledge, you know, um, some of the ancestors that put in work for reparations. We want to lift up people like Queen Mother Moore, Ashe, people That's like sure. Imari Obadeli, one of the founders of the uh, Republic of New Africa and in Cobra, Ashe. You know, people like um, Callie House and Reverend Isaiah Dickerson. People like Reparations Ray Jenkins, um, Queen Mother um, and Jerry Algani right here in Atlanta, I work very closely with. So we lift up those ancestors for their work and we continue to do this work and carry the baton that they passed on to mm -hmm. us. Uh, also in my bio, I did want to just add the fact that I am the Southeast Regional Representative of okay. Cobra. That's right. I'm just giving them a local uh, My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Southeast <laughs> Regional. I live in my bad in one city. My bad. And not, and not, allow me to introduce myself. Yeah, like you're the corner and, boy. And, and not, that's what it said in the bio. <laughs> and, yeah. and not in the bio, I was, I'm the past <laughs> national male co-chair of Cobra. Okay, uh, my bad. Say it one more time. <laughs> small right, letters. Right. Yeah, your letters and, are small. Uh, and then we will probably touch on a little bit at some point in the show, the Republican New Africa also serve as the, the first vice president of the provisional government mm -hmm. of Republic of New Africa. But mostly just been a community activist in Atlanta. I grew up in the movement. My dad, um, my father was an activist or still is an activist even in his retirement days. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother, I would label her a cultural nationalist. And she's the one that introduced me to African clothes and Kwanzaa and Ifa, Yoruba tradition and things like that. And so, really, I just consider myself being a dynamic merger of the two of them, cool, of cool. blending culture and spirituality with social justice mm -hmm. and liberation for our people. Okay. So now, to your question. I was going to yeah. say, he, did, gonna he, say he his got brother, his intro in hey, after all. Might as well read the damn bio. I was going to say, my grandfather went to Nickletown High School, and I'm like, okay, brother, let's So go. give us some history. So on I want to give the um, official uh, cobra definition of reparations, and I want to talk a little bit, expand on that a little bit. Is that longer than your bio? It's not as long as Okay, cool. <laughs> so reparations is a process of repairing, healing, and restoring a people injured because of their group identity and in violation of their fundamental human rights by governments, corporations, institutions, and families. Those groups that have been injured have the right to obtain from the government, corporation, institutional family responsible for the injuries that which they need to repair and to heal themselves. In addition to being a demand for justice, it is a principle of international human rights law. And that's the NCOBRA um, mm -hmm. definition. And you can find that on our website, NCOBRAonline.org. I'd like to expand upon that and give three more critical aspects to the definition of reparations. So one is when I joined NCOBRA, the elders always told me there's basically three roads to reparations. So one being repatriation, those who want to go back to Africa. But we always say not just get on a plane and go back to Africa, but to go back with resources, right, so that we can build schools and hospitals and roads and things that to help to develop the African continent. 
Number two would be a sovereign nation state. Again, I mentioned in my intro, me being affiliated with the Provisional Government of the Republic of New Africa, that's always been a demand in the reparations movement. The reparations in COBRA comes out of the black nationalist movement. So that was always a um, demand that we always hold on the table as well as sovereign nation state. And then the third one is assimilation. And um, we, we actually, I think there was a, probably a lot of debate around that one because as I said, you know, Republican Africa, excuse me, COBRA comes out of, out of uh, Republican Africa and black nationalism and such that we knew that, though, in order for reparations to be broad-based, we know everybody wasn't ready for mm. repatriation or sovereign nation. So we said those who want to stay in the United States and work it out. So those are the three roads of uh, reparations. Now, the next thing that's important, and I make sure I say this in every interview I do now, is the United Nations definition. The United Nations definition talks about full repair. And I'll try to do it briefly, but they talk about full repair taking five forms in order to have full repair. So compensation being one. And I know we talked about the dollar. We could talk about fiat and all of that. Promissory notes, we can get into that. But another one is restitution. So restitution goes to legal standing, our citizenship mm -hmm. in this country. Again, we just talked about the Republic of New Africa and sovereignty. We could deal, we can go into deeper on that. The third is rehabilitation. Rehabilitation deals with the psychosocial trauma that's, that's been mm -hmm. waged on us. Um, there's a whole science right now called epigenetics that actually has been documenting how trauma is actually passed down in our DNA, right? So Both that if your great-great-grandfather witnessed a lynching and was traumatized, you never saw the lynching, but it, it impacts you, impacts your DNA. Mm -hmm. The fourth is satisfaction. So satisfaction deals with, I say, basically restoring the dignity of a people. So satisfaction looks at national apologies. It looks at uh, things like curriculum change and education, monuments, uh, 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 special days of commemoration. And then the last one, which is I think is the most interesting, um, I don't say the last one, but the fifth one is cessation and non-repetition. Non, excuse me, let me slow down. Cessation and non-repetition. Mm -hmm. So that means that we have to, because we say that the crime that's being waged on African people has never stopped, right? It hasn't stopped from the time they snatched the first African off the continent up until now to this conversation, even you all were just talking mm -hmm. about Oscar King, right? And we could talk about other things, uh, educational disparities, health disparities. So, oh, so no, no, I just want to bring in Jared a little okay. bit on the discussion too. Um, Jared, I, I, you recently did a show too, and I, I remember you talked a little bit, you and your guest, about some of the, the, the first time reparations became a demand, I think, during Reconstruction. Can you trace a little bit of that history for us uh, about like like when was the demand for reparations first sort of put on the the calendar for African people or informally enslaved African people? Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to join the conversation, but I I'm not entirely sure I can answer that question. You know, part of the problem, and, and we can come to this. <clears throat> this was not my expertise. Reparations mm -hmm. has never been my primary thing. So, but what I was just looking at was that I had been reviewing some, some histories uh, uh, of uh, some of which we've just heard, uh, but uh, in, in looking at some, uh, some other scholarship that has been put out over the years and uh, what, what I was attempting to do, I think what you're referring to, what I was just attempting to refer to is, is the broad based approach that uh, reparations have, have taken um, uh, over the last couple of, well, centuries in a variety of places around the world, all with variations and uh, specificity uh, to that specific context. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, in, in the United States, there seems to have been uh, calls for reparations in some form um, and, and not always using that same language. I mean, that's, that's you know, part of the, 
big issue with the history is that sure. not everybody always used the, the word reparations That's true. Uh, to refer to to um, uh, what it is we're talking about. So some of it was, you know, um, atonement, repayment, restitution, indemnification, right. uh, redress, compensation. And some of this goes back, again, in a variety of, situ- you know, context, uh, you know, to any. So so I, I think. Uh, I would defer to, to, to the brother there uh, to, to maybe talk more about those specifics. But mm-hmm. um, the point I was just trying to raise is, that, again, is that depending on the specific location, African people have been saying we need some sort of uh, compensation uh, for the enslavement, the colonialism, and to the point that was just raised to the ongoing uh, oppression. I mean, this is not something that is, is, is past tense. Right. Um, so we've seen that 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 formerly enslaved Africans, whether it was the 40 acres and a mule right after the Civil War, or whether it was um, uh, uh, other attempts to to be paid for or compensated in some way for past labor, or as again, not, maybe not necessarily 40 acres and a mule, but being able to take over uh, certain plots of land, etc. cetera. Um, uh, there have been many forms, and of course, and then I'll stop here, but the only thing that we've seen actually be successful are repara- in terms of enslavement, are reparations paid to former slaveholders right. for having lost their property. Uh, so as far as I'm aware, and I'm happy to be corrected here, we've still never seen one example of anyone suffering enslavement being paid any form. Uh, but but uh, again, I would defer to, to, to our brother there for, for any specifics in terms of you know, start points and end points or, or variations that have occurred in this country or elsewhere. When we, when we talk about reparations, uh, you mentioned a number of different uh, points uh, from either in COBRA or the United Nations. You know, one of the things that we've been discussing for years, and I'm sure COBRA touches on it, is reparations in regards to uh, political prisoners. Mm-hmm. What what is the What is your stance and how does that fit into the mold? Because a lot of the newer uh, organizers around reparations are falling short when it comes to anything outside of the check. Yeah, well, INCOBRA has always stand strong on political prisoners. Um, pretty much every INCOBRA convention, there's always been a workshop on political prisoners. Uh, and like I said, because of INCOBRA's work in connection with Black Nationalist Organization, Republican Africa, and other formations, New African People's Organization, other formations, we've always had um, release of political prisoners and prisoners of war is a key aspect. Um, even you may know that I do here in Atlanta, I've been doing a six hour radio show. Actually it started by some elders who are no longer, someone who are no longer with us, Mama Iafalani Suni Ali Ashe and brother um, Suleiman Madi Ashe, um, brother Bilal who's still with us and Mama and Jerry Ashe. They, we, they started a um, tradition of doing a reparations radiothon on WRFG and and we would always have a segment on political prisoners and prisoners of war, and I've continued to do that as well. Um, every year when we do that show, we always so yeah, that's something yeah. that's that's a, definitely uh, know, in alliance with what what we push yeah. forward in terms of reparations. I just want to say, and just in case for those who don't know, who are new to the show, new to the idea of reparations, political prisoners are our freedom fighters, people who uh, have fought for the liberation of African people who've been imprisoned by the system, and some of them are still lingering behind bars. Um, and part of the reparations struggle has been to say, when we fight for reparations, we fight for our freedom fighters to be released from the dungeons of American imprisonment. So right. I just want to make that clear. These are former Panthers, Black Liberation Army members, um, and by extension, some other folks who fought for the liberation of African people. And it's important to also mention further, when you talk about political prisoners and prisons of war, 
um, whenever you hear the United States or any other countries talk about uh, any type of any form of negotiation, the first thing they want is their political prisoners want mm-hmm. back. They want those folks who have been captured behind enemy lines. So it is not, you know, what we're asking for is not something that's a far-fetched concept. The United States and all, quote-unquote, I, I, I hate to say civilized countries because of the fact the United States is <laughs> far from a civilized country. You gave it a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's the first line. It's like, we don't want to talk about nothing until you give me back my homeboy. Mm-hmm. You got my brother over there before we could talk about, you know, when when the truth's gonna be and yeah. who you know who didn't do what who slapped who mother I need my cousin yeah. back I need my uncle back in fact not even just that back. but also like their remains sometimes absolutely like, we don't get absolutely that, like, we don't and, get and you see that with the with, yeah. with the with the with the uh, right. uh, victims of the Holocaust yeah, yeah. yeah. you know and, so. and a lot of people don't know with the Japanese redress a lot of people <clears> quote <throat> the fact that the Japanese um, you know 1987 88 you know the bill that was passed to give reparations to them included in the bill was the freedom of the, those their political prisoners there were people who fought the internment camp idea and um and so those people were in jail and so those people right. were released and a lot of people don't know that was a part of their reparations demand okay mm-hmm. so we were just setting the table up to let y'all give some background on the reparations issue when we come back we're going to get more into what's happening today around the issue of reparations because it's really now taking a hold let's say in corporate media or mainstream media talking about the issue and again, new groups coming up that are talking about reparations and some of the distinctions that they're making between uh, Pan-Africanism and Africans born outside of America and who deserves reparations. So we're going to come back and get into that. And also, we got my man Jared Boss. So we're definitely going to talk about some of the myths of black, black buying power before we leave this planet as well. You listen to Renegade Culture. Gotta get a plate now. Renegade culture. We back, back, back. Yes. We're black, black, black. See, that is hot, dude. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Jared, don't you think that's hot? Can you hear that on the phone? You know, I like hear that? you. I can't. I, I don't hear. I'm not hearing any drops, but I hear you. You didn't hear my rhyme, though. No? You didn't hear my rhyme. No, I mean, I, I did. I mean, it sounds dope. I mean, oh, appreciate you know, that. I, I, hey, I, 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 you want me to do one for your show? 
I would just snatch it and hide it. But anyway, anyway, less than Kamal's bullshit. Anyway. Oh, we back with the reparations conversation, my man. Yes. Speaking of bullshit. Oh, damn, no. Oh, damn. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> you want to get into this uh, this ADOS thing, yes. American Descendants oh. of Slavery. Mm. Um, so this is a group that started a little while ago, um, and they've taken a different tact, I think, on reparations than some of the, the elders have taken. Um, and they've started talking about uh, specifically around who deserves reparations and who doesn't. Uh, and they've also seemed to sort of taken an anti-Pan-Africanist view and even somewhat of an anti-immigration uh, uh, view. So, Jad, I know you've had some dealings with folks um, on this particular one. Can you talk a little bit about what you know about sort of the formation of, of ADOS and what you think they stand for in terms of the reparation movement? Sure. I mean, you know, so uh, going back a couple of years now, I had uh, Yvette Carnell uh, and Antonio Moore had sort of come on my radar doing some YouTube shows that I actually thought were quite valuable. Uh, I understood, like, I think with a lot of people, we don't always agree politically. And I think a lot of people uh, are not where I think I am, at least uh, in terms of a left-leaning position or a wildly radical position. But I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that that should preclude anybody from listening to anybody. So when I thought that they were doing interesting work, I, I took on the support of their work and looked to build with them. Uh, and look to support them, uh, you know, in a number of different ways, and and um, uh, like I do with a number of different people. But uh, uh, at one point, you know, as uh, as they started to increase in some popularity, they linked up with with Kevin Cosby, uh, the president of Simmons College, which is known to some as a conservative, particularly conservative HBCU in Louisville. But at the time, they invited me to this event two years ago. Uh, and to, to, to pre present with them and thinking that we were all, you know, at least somewhat on the same page, you know, because a lot of what they were doing was basic critiques of uh, pop culture and the way popular um, discussions of economics take place, which, which I thought was extremely, again, valuable. And they were doing it in a way that I thought was accessible to a broad audience, and they, have a, uh, they had a big following, and they were, you know... Uh, and then initially, actually, I should back up quickly that Yvette Carnell, because you mentioned the buying power piece, Yvette Carnell and I had started building around uh, her picking up my work on buying power, both of us being similarly critical of Boyce Watkins, who is a, uh, who is a popular proponent of the myth. Uh, and so we vibed on that. And I thought, again, there was, there was a great deal of value to, to, to that exchange. When I went down to that event in Louisville, uh, all of a sudden, new to me at least, both Yvette, uh, well, Yvette in particular who spoke before me, but also Antonio later, uh, gave very, you know, anti-Pan-African, anti-African diaspora and anti-immigration, you know, kind of uh, critiques. So when I got up to speak, I just amended some of my comments to just basically say, um, and by the way, all of this is at mixwithilike.org. So, mm -hmm. so people can, you know, if they want, they can go review these speeches. They can go whatever they want to do and see, you know, see for themselves. But essentially what I just said was, you know, I support Yvette and I like what she's doing, but we disagree, it seems, like on, on this issue. Like I don't see, you know, um, you know, part, look, I want to say quickly, like some of my argument I think is a little nuanced in, in the sense that I understand, and I think all of us understand, even as Pan-Africans, we can see when the state tries to pit 
uh, Africans against Africans and, and, and select, you know, bourgeois or neo-colonial or, or whoever uh, to place in front of us and to pit one group against another. We all understand that. So we can see when, if, for instance, uh, particular sets of immigrants are coming to the country and being given benefits over black Americans in an attempt to, to distance us and create fissures, et cetera. But what I was just simply arguing was that Yvette and Antonio were taking a reactionary or a right-wing conservative response to a similar problem that all of us could identify. Mm-hmm. So, but from that moment on, like I was there in person with them. Yvette didn't say much to me. Tone, you know, Antonio didn't say much to me. We moved on. I figured we would just keep in touch and, you know, build from there. But almost immediately, there became this online just wild assault against all forms of, of, of what I would just say, simply put, in black radical traditions or, or left-leaning politics. And when I tried to engage again, just to say, look, I mean, when you say you don't like Pan-Africanism, but you hold up a picture, and initially they started with the sister for Issa Rae from, from HBO saying something ignorant about black Americans as their reason for not liking Pan-Africanism. And I was trying to say, well, you, you know, I, I don't think Pan-Africanism should be judged anecdotally by what one continental African says mm-hmm. any more than I should support Pan-Africanism just because me and my Gambian neighbor get along. So I was like, it, it's got to go beyond the anecdote. So I started asking them, so what do you mean by Pan-Africanism? And literally all I was saying to them is, I don't even want you to, I don't want to debate you. I certainly don't want to right. do it online. And I don't want Jared's definition or explanation to be held up in defense of Pan-Africanism. So all I was saying is, because I might not do it right. So I was mm-hmm. saying, could you just please engage the tradition and, or the traditions and see all the variations of it and then be more specific in your criticism? And all I got back was this wave of just, you know, they're all irrelevant. Everybody. And I was saying, well, who? Garvey? Du Bois? You know, you know, Malcolm X, Dr. King had a version, you know, everybody. I was like, so who is it? But they're not all the same. They were like, mm-hmm. all of them just wrong. They're all obsolete. And all of you were, just, you know, and it just went on like that. And then it, increasingly, it just went very quickly from that into a bunch of hostile uh, lies and distortions of what I was saying, and what other people were saying. So in the long, you know, already a long story shorter, or a longer story shorter, I, what I was, what I've come to conclude is that uh, just and I was listening when the brothers laying out what Encobra's position is. It's so important to understand that. But I was thinking, unfortunately, none of the ADOS community is even interested in hearing that. And and, and my conclusion is that they're ultimately just a conservative um, uh, group, a conservative political entity looking to rebrand the the concept of reparations into something very conservative and safe. Uh, so that one that ingratiates them and their mm-hmm. their version of it with the state. And that's why Yvette would literally do shows wrapped in the American flag. And she started wearing mm-hmm. MAGA hats and, you know, all, and, and really hype, hype, you know, hyper paying attention to the Americanness of all of this. Um, Let me ask you and, this. And as a, so, yeah, good. Yeah, not, sure, not, sure. not to even cut you off because of the fact that no, it's cool, it's cool. It, it sounds, um, you know, just sitting here listening to the whole draped in American flag and the MAGA hats and all that type of reactionary <laughs> type business. Um, I mean, do you think, and, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm playing Cracker's advocate right now, but do you think that um, that these folks are, are actually placed, are you saying that they're placed in this position to uh, gear us or gear black folks or Africans in America towards a, uh, a divisive uh, setting or a situation that pushes them towards, uh, let's say, the Republican Party? 
so so I've tried to be careful with this in public conversation because I think all of us who have experience with grassroots organizing and struggles with the state, and particularly in understanding the counterintelligence program, I think are, we 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 are all I think professional and and mature enough to to to, to understand what what it means to to hurl those things around. And in fact, right. Yvette has accused me of being an agent on her YouTube program. Uh, I don't like to do that for you know number reasons that we could all get into. But but so I don't speculate on that. I'm just trying to assess. The overt. So what we do know is that Yvette sits on the board now <clears throat> and it apparently has claimed recently that she got on the board of the Progressives for uh, Immigration Reform, which is founded by Tant, uh, John Tanton, a white nationalist, and uh, is, is meant to put a pretty picture on a very white nationalist goal of getting rid of um, uh, uh, so-called illegal immigrants or immigrants, immigrants, period, or you know non-white immigrants. Uh, and they have a long history of fronting for uh, of creating black front groups to 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 put out this information, so I, I you know we do know that, but but right. but beyond that kind of you know I, what I'm just focused on is their overt political argument, and I think it's very slick what they've done here, uh, uh, and then people could draw their own conclusions or do more research, but but if you just look at the way they they've come out, everything has been an attack of the, of, of everything to their political left. They bought they put us all in the same group. They don't care to, for anything about nuance or. Uh, you know, any kind of sophisticated analysis, every, you know, so they, we were joking off there. They lumped me in with Boyce Watkins, Numar Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, my, you know, my colleague, Ray Winbush, even though he and I have, you know, dis- disagreements or differences, uh, you know, with Mark Thompson, all these different people are just lumped in because I think what their goal is, is to uh, make it to, to, to uh, appeal to the state. Appeal to white America, right. a conservative white America, which is why Fox News has picked up on this, which is why the, the, I think the New York Magazine picked up on some of this and other more establishment presses have picked up on some of this. And even the white liberal, and I, and I do want to talk a little bit, say something about that, but even the white liberal press in critiquing the ADOS movement or phenomenon rather, have ignored those of us on the more radical left when they cover what has been going on, because even they want to limit the conversation to sort of Democratic Party liberal politics. So they come out in defense of Talib Kweli and all due respect to him uh, and Mark Thompson and all due respect to him and some others. But I don't consider them to be uh, uh, at least where I and some others are on the political left. And this is not a value judgment or say one is better than the other. It's just a discussion of why I think they're getting the defense that others of us are not getting in those spaces. So I think initially, again, ADOS is just here to, and I don't know, I can't speak to who's placing them or what is happening or, or any, anything like that, but, mm-hmm. but their, their clear function or their clear uh, political intent is to, uh, I think, again, distance themselves from anything from the left as conservatives, rebrand reparations as something that's very safe, that will, will, will gain them some level of entree into the establishment or the mainstream. Uh, it certainly can't hurt their YouTube fundraising and so on and so forth that they get all these, this attention. Um, but it, 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 what their ultimate goal is, I don't know. They seem to be extremely critical of the Democratic Party, as many of us are, but I think for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just want to say very quickly, instead of listening to the history laid out, whether you know from, from, from this show or anywhere else about what Encobra or others have done and have and saying, you know, what, uh, um, uh, look how we can look at ways we can improve what they've done and look at how we can help expand the reach of their effort and popularize their effort. They've said quite to the opposite, even though we're looking to 
build on a history that all these other people have started. We want to distance ourselves from them and demonstrate them as having failed because of their politics or their lack of interest or their lack of ability. And then they want to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, promote themselves as the legitimate heirs and leadership uh, to the so-called, well, to, as far as they're concerned, this, this so-called movement. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, let me stop you. very slick. Let me sure, stop you sure, right sure. there. So, Jamoka, I'm curious. So when you hear about the fact that there's this rise of uh, maybe not so young, but some young folks who are interested or involved in reparations, but they have taken a far more critical view and maybe even just an, a, not a critical, but an anti-Pan-Africanist view. Like, how do you how do you position that and how do you feel about that in terms of the work that you've done, again, for decades in terms of Encobra? Yeah, so, um, you know, First of all, I appreciate um, Brother Jared laying that out about Eidos and that history. It's some stuff that I didn't know. Um, you know, in Cobra, I'm, we've been paying a lot of close attention to uh, Eidos and trying to um, get, you know, more grounded in terms of what's really going on with that. You know, I, I think that, um, I mean, basically, I think, again, Jared really laid out the key things that's important to know about them and how they've been operating. I think that um, one of the things that um, I was just going to actually, maybe you must saw my reaction, I was just going to kind of really add on what Jared said was, you know, in terms of not respecting the work that has been done and as if, you know, nothing has been done before they came along and and not wanting to, like you said, link up with, you know, us that has been doing this work and actually to use one of the words that she often used, they're going to steamroll over us get out the way, we're the new movement, if you don't get out the way, we steam rolling over you. Right. And I think that's, that, that kind of position is very um, problematic. You know, I was thinking about it just on a level of, um, you know, just to me, just basic organizing, basic organizing one-on-one, or, or like an example I thought about was like, when I started my business, for example, I have a cleaning business, and before I started that business, you know, I was advised to talk to other people in the business, right? You know, mm-hmm. you get advice, you study them, you call their phone and see how they answer the phone, and da 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 da. You do research on other people that's doing this work. Mm-hmm. You don't just say, "Get out the way, I'm the new kid on the block." Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like that doesn't make sense. You know, that doesn't. You know, so that is very problematic. You know, it is. Mm-hmm. We we listen to Renegade Culture. Um, we're gonna go to a quick run, but one of the the names that was mentioned. Um, that uh, Jared mentioned was uh, Talib Kweli. He just dropped a article a few days ago um, in the Medium. It's called Why Hashtag ADOS is Trash, Receipts mm-hmm. Attached. Why ADOS, ADOS is Trash, Receipts Attached. And that's by Talib Kweli Green, uh, the rapper from Brooklyn. Um, check out that article, but also uh, go to imixwithilike.com, uh, or mm-hmm. .org. Yeah, because there's a there's a number of different things going on with yeah. that whole situation as well. And, and in CobraLive.org, we have yeah. an article, a recent article called Full Repair, um, as well as another article that talks about unity and the reparations movement. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to try to use that against us <laughs> and um, because we said that we're not going to speak negatively about anyone mm-hmm. in this movement um, right. publicly, you know, and that actually just came from the COBRA's policies and procedures. And we just kind of um, put that in a small article and put that out there on online. And then, you know, when Mark Thompson spoke about um, Ados, and he really didn't even mention them specifically by name, but he did talk about NARC and he talked about Encobra. And so then they made it as if he was a spokesperson for mm-hmm. Encobra. And, you know, I've been very clear to many Ados people personally, and, you know, take this time now on the air that Mark Thompson does not speak for Encobra. He's not a member of Encobra. He's not a leader with Encobra. 
and uh, he was speaking from the voice that he has a you know radio show and he's mm-hmm. a talk show host and he was speaking on that point and he even said that even if you listen to the thing because I've listened to it many times <laughs> because people they often you know hinge their hat on that particular interview with Joy Reid mm-hmm. is that he said I'm about to join NARC so if you say I'm about to join NARC, that means and, and, and you mentioned in Cobra and NARC, NARC sure. NARC is the National African American Reparations Commission. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't, we don't want folks to yeah. be confused so, and sure. understand about well, NARC. So if you're going about to go. join NARC, that means you're not a member of Cobra or yeah. NARC at that point when you did get an interview. Just okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with another segment of Renegade Culture talking about the reparations movement, both uh, the folks who started it, the folks who are doing it now. Uh, some of the differences and opinions and philosophy and ideology and what may be bringing that about. And also talk about a little bit about some of this uh, uh, Democratic Party platform or Democratic Party candidates who are talking about the issue of reparations. We'll be back. Renegade Culture. Zach and Renegade coaches in the building. Yo, Renegade. We rocking it. Our producer's rocking on it. point today, oh, bro. You on point? 
you know. The ear doctor? Hey. Yeah, maybe giving us like some real good instructions. Knocker? You know. I think he hit the record button. We got an intern. Uh, <laughs> intern in the building. An intern is hitting the record button. So yes. Y'all sure know he's going to edit all this. Out. Yes. Oh, he better not. Yeah. <laughs> this is my man. He's a, he's a return intern. I I intern, what's your name? <laughs> Yehoshua. That's yes. my man, is in the building. Uh, I, yes. Yeah. I know I screwed up there. Don't try to correct the name. Hey, don't worry about it. Come out in front of me, man. Yeah, he's, definitely, he's from a planet called Brooklyn. Yo. Uh, uh, true uh, that, true that. Save him, Brooklyn. Yo, let's, let's talk <laughs> a bit more. Let's, I want to wrap up on this Oakland. adios thing, but I want to, um, I'm going to call him adios or whatever, but. Wow. Uh, I thought it was slow. My bad, my bad. going to run up on you, man. Man, please. going to run up on Kamal like. I wish that would happen, man. Oh, my God. I'm selling wolf tickets. Brooklyn. But like speaking of like you know, uh, have have you tried Jared in particular to have some conversation with them uh, about the differences in opinion that folks have around the reparation struggle and Pan Africanism? Absolutely, you know, and they know this too. They know this. You know, they they try to act like we haven't built uh, over a couple of years that we don't have each other's phone numbers and email addresses and mm. emails back and forth and that we haven't spoken before. And they try to act now like I haven't invited them. I have. I've tried to broker peace between people that they were arguing with that I know. Right. I've tried to to you know invite them to, to dialogue, and they they rejected that wholly. And I think that's a, a tactic uh, that they use uh, to to. And I just want to say very quickly that they're perfectly set for the social media moment that we're in, the disorganized right. social media moment that we're in. A slick hashtag with some slick lines and some uh, you know a, a quick tweet tweet game uh, that 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 makes you know that. Amplifies their 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 you know their reach, uh, uh, and it's something that's easily digestible to people who aren't politically educated or, or well versed mm-hmm. in these in these struggles. So, so, so they do a tight uh, bias so, to to avoid discussion works mm-hmm. in their in their favor. So let's let's also talk about. Um, I mean, what's also happened in this this current moment is is that we've had Democratic candidates for the presidency speaking about reparations publicly making statements around whether or not we as uh, as formerly enslaved Africans or descendants of formerly enslaved Africans deserve reparations, whether or not there's a way to decide who gets reparations. Bernie Sanders has talked about this. Camilla Harris has talked about this. And at first, some of them took some more bold statements. But then as they got questioned by the media, they started to, like backtracking a little bit. And some of, some of this, I think, is 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 fodder for like this discussion around whether or not the more that they talk about reparations, they can get black votes obviously um and then on the on the flip end it feels like there's some right-wing folks who want to push the reparations discussion to this particular point because they think that scares white folks more too into back in trump so i want to i want to know start off with you uh jim okay what do you what do you think about this current this reality of like all of a sudden you got major political candidates talking about the issue of reparations, even if they seem a little ill-informed about it, but they're talking about <laughs> Smoking it. Smoking a white ball, man. Well, well, my opinion is, and I could be wrong, but my opinion is that this all got started mainly by Marion Williamson. Mm-hmm. When Marion Williamson declared that she was going to run for president, she said as a key plank of her presidency was reparations. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time that she announced that she said $100 billion, uh, we could talk about that there's problems with a that amount Mixed and there's yeah. actually a problem with her determining the amount right yeah, that part. but and then even on her website she actually said between 200 to 500 billion she said when she announced it publicly she got shot so she came down to 100 <laughs> billion whatever so so but once she made that declaration and put it out there this is a key thing i think that's when reporters and other people picked up on it and started asking all of the different candidates and they basically you know all said they supported reparations were you surprised but, by that that's a good question. I thought about that. 
Yeah, somewhat surprised, yeah. Um, you know, it was clear that they hadn't thought about it because if they were concerned about reparations, then again, that's the reason why I mentioned Mary Williamson. She's been talking about it for years. Mm-hmm. None of these other candidates are on record that I know are talking about it. Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, um, uh, Julian Castro, uh, Gubachar, the sister from yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. We, it's a whole long list now of those people who have signed up and say they support reparations. Bernie's been real crazy about his comments of being <laughs> um, just you know retarded in my opinion but uh you know and and um you know i i just say we just need to label him a racist and just keep it moving you know in terms of what he said in terms of reparations like he don't understand reparations as a, as a jew yeah, as someone yeah. who voted on reparations while he was a senator what do you mean you don't understand reparations yeah. so um but yeah so yeah you know i think that um it but it is, you know, part of the work that we've been doing ongoing to bring it to this point. It's not the first time the presidential candidates have been asked about reparations. Mm-hmm. It's not, and it, and it was put on the Democratic um, um, platform before. Mm-hmm. And so, we, you know, we've been doing this work. So, um, but I think the, the momentum has shifted. And, uh, and again, like I said, I think a lot of the credit goes to Marion Williamson, personally, in my opinion. Okay. Jared, you, you, um, you've been following some of this, like some of these presidential candidates making some of these statements. What's your opinion on it? Yeah, I have. And, and, you know, my, my view of it is, is it's kind of is similar to the ADOS thing. I think there's, there's a lot of an attempt to, uh, again, rebrand the conversation in a conservative way, even among so-called, you know, de- the progressive Democrats. Uh, and of course, if they're in a party, a Democratic party that is itself uh, so anti-progress, uh, that even if a few candidates pick it up and are, are themselves sincere, and I don't know that that's true either, uh, I don't think the party itself can deliver it. And people mm-hmm. have to remember, for all that we we, we get, we talk about the sister Ilhan Omar and and several other progressive women and who are recently elected into the Democratic Party, or people want to point to Bernie as a progressive. We have to remember that in this last election cycle, the Democratic Party set a new record for itself in in bringing in former intelligence agency and military personnel into into um, to their uh, ranks. So this is not a progressive party. This is not. There has not been some sea change in that party uh, that would 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 you know make reparations a legitimate issue. I would like to see more of us do better to organize. Uh, and if there's any positive with the ADOS thing, I'd like to you know remind us that we haven't sufficiently organized ourselves in any number of different ways and formations uh, that we could you know so that we could really drive the issue and maybe select the candidate that we want to run if that's if that's the path to all this anyway. So, uh, but no, I'm not I'm not moved. Anytime I hear. Uh, people who are not connected to these grassroots struggles pick up anything akin to these, you know, these politics and ideas. I always feel like it's it's, it's to siphon it off and to kill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I'm very skeptical. Yeah. And then, very lastly, I would just want to point out that for all of these conversations, whether it's the comparisons to Jews or Japanese, we should remember the Japanese never got their land and businesses back in California. They, you know, would, which would have been worth billions and trillions today. Uh, and and Jews, you know, people definitely have to read the Holocaust industry by Norman Finkelstein to see how elite Jews basically stole what reparations were given to Jews. So like, mm-hmm. so like we have to be very careful that even if we so-called win, mm-hmm. like so-called other groups have, that, that there won't be some class thievery and, you know, you know, hucksterism going on because we're disorganized and not prepared to, you know, to, to take on all that we deserve. So, and then very, you know, I, I'd say very lastly, we have <laughs> to, uh, I would really like to see us assume political power and put all this to, to bed, like make it a moot situation. I don't think we should be trying to ask or beg anybody for reparations. If we have political power, we can determine, you know, how wealth is produced and what, it, what, mm-hmm. what constitutes wealth and who gets it. And then we don't have to ask anybody anything. And that's always my fantasy yeah. and why I've never really been, uh, a, a core member of the reparations movement, even as I'm a supporter of them and mm-hmm. want to help uh, help them do their work. I think I've been similar on it. I think I, I've, I've felt like reparations has always been something to struggle around. 
but I've never felt that, you know, like the, the U.S. government, obviously in its present iteration, has any interest whatsoever in repairing um, the, the oppression, the subjugation, the murdering, the killing of black people, because um, they are the, the, the government apparatus is the sort of oppressor historically and currently. And so I would never expect them as a government apparatus to repair us um, or to give resources that repair us because that would make us sort of a danger to them. Um, so there's always been that, that feeling of like, um, I don't expect this, this the, as long as this relationship is what it is, I don't expect this government to give us reparations of any kind. It's also our continued oppression that helps produce the $20 trillion GDP every year. So the mm -hmm. idea that they're going to want to give that up, you know, is going to, is going to be another problem. Right. And, and on top of that, uh, if we're talking reparations, I think that one of the things that should be included when we talk about repatriation is that the Africans on the continent demand the return of these bodies that were taken. You understand what I'm saying? I think that that should be included as well because of the fact that we were kidnapped and uh, brought against our will. So we should have the option of whether or not we can actually be, you know, given a ticket back to the continent. So with, with all this said, is us be, us being called slaves, is it making us property? Because like you just said, like giving back to the Africans, like we property. That's what it sounds no, like. No, no, I'm not saying giving back to the Africans. I'm talking about the continent itself. We should have mm -hmm. a choice. Since our ancestors was kidnapped and brought here against their wills, I think we should have a choice to to on, on whether we could stay here or not, whether we should stay here or not. Mm -hmm. Because of the fact it wasn't like we decided we was going to come over here on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We still are <laughs> the children of those enslaved Africans. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's something that we don't hear about. So part of my problem, part of my issues with some Africans on the continent is the fact that they're not demanding or not returning and, and not, not coming for us because of the fact that we're the lost children. So in, in one, one instinct, I mean, one, uh, uh, one component, we're talking about, um, you know, us going to Africa to help out the folks on the continent, but at the same time, like I said, they should be demanding that their children are returned mm -hmm. uh, to its rightful and land. And they want as well. reparations themselves. African nations, African yeah. uh, cultural sects, uh, Haitian, uh, Haiti should be demanding reparations from France, right. so forth and so on. So I, I mean, I think reparations is larger, obviously, than just Africans in America or formerly enslaved Africans in America. Right. Reparations is something that's due to African people worldwide because of the onslaught of Western imperialism and colonialism on the African continent, on on uh, nations in the Western Hemisphere, that because those those folks were enslaved and brought to those places are now majority Africans, still deserve and demand reparations. And I and I, I think I, I'm agreeing with Jad on this point. Until there's, uh, and I think, in, obviously, and Cobra agrees with the Stuarts, so until there's it's like this unification and, and struggle around what reparations means right. uh, as part of that larger struggle around anti-colonial and imperialism, um, that's that's part of the problem in the process of getting to reparations. Hey, if Europe paid reparations to all Africans home and abroad, there'd be no more Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest challenges that's in the right. reparations movement is is that that we haven't done um, is to clearly define what reparations a reparations package. I've been saying this for years that we have to come to figure out how to bring some of our best minds together put together a comprehensive reparations package that includes reparations, includes sovereignty, includes release of political prisoners, and much, much more. And then once we have that document, um, get buy-in from our community on that document. So like the NAACP, Nation Islam, whatever different groups would then endorse that document. Then get buy-in from our people. Just put it online. People can check they endorse it or whatever, whatever. And then we say this is what we demand as a people. And once we do that, 
every, uh, everything changes, you know, because then it becomes clear what we want for reparations. And the other part of it, which I, when I was given the definition, which I didn't get to a little bit, which is self-repair, which is that we can begin to work on some of those things ourselves. So a lot of people say, like, you know, I say, like, point forty six might be whatever, mentoring young boys. Mm-hmm. And then black um, the basketball players association might say, hey, we'll take on that one. We'll fund that one. We'll, we'll implement that one or whatever. And so we begin to take on some of the actual repair work ourselves and still demand. Because there's a lot of times people say, you know, other extreme people say, well, you know, we just do it ourselves. And there's a debt that's owed. We have <clears> to collect on that debt. And so I say that, yeah, we can do things ourselves to heal ourselves, and we still have to challenge and, and make the demand as well. Mm-hmm. Listen to Renegade Culture. We talk about reparations, the reparations movement. We're talking about ADOS. We're talking about um, a whole lot of things going on. <laughs> well, we're going to make a little switch right now because we we, we, we're going to end this segment soon, but we want to go out on something a little upbeat. Okay. Um, and my man, we're going to go back to Naka's bold question. Yeah, uh-uh. yeah. So, Jared, brother, you on the phone, you got to be prepared for this. Prepared to be tortured. Yeah, so our brother Naka, the producer, the one who forgot to hit the play button last week, and oh, so we don't have that yes. tape anymore that even we spent an hour and a half doing. Um, we have a segment. He's prepared some questions. We have a segment called Naka's, Naka's Nonsense. Yes, and when you hear the questions, it's self-explanatory. I'm, yeah. I'm so. voting that we change it to uncommon sense. Uh, no, yeah, that's not. Uh, yeah, that's not well, this <laughs> this is a dictatorship. Let's not talk too much. About you're, you're, um, you're a producer. Let's not do a lot of audio talking. Um, so the question I just pulled out the bowl, and we always got to worry about Naka's handwriting and his vocabulary. He writes it in braille. Close your eyes. Should a man open a door for a woman to go first, or no? That's that's stupid. Yeah, that's not just, that's, I'm gonna pick another question, John. My bad. I'm sorry. Why did I ask that question? Because it's no looked at as if you let a if you let no a woman go you. through a door first, when she gets shot first, since you go in to make sure the no one actually no one. Oh, it depends on who it is. Stop talking. But anyway, it's, it's, it's <laughs> a good question. They just don't. They don't understand. All right. So here's the next question. 90s hip hop often called the golden era. It is also disrespected women calling them bitches and hoes. What part did this play in the downfall of our culture? Okay, mm. I, it's 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 not exactly a clear question. It's convoluted, but we may be able to work convoluted. with it. Wow. Y'all, y'all want to work with this one? Hey, man, listen, man. We're going to come back. Can. You can't? All right, we're oh, going to come back. Jet, go work with All right, when we come back from this break, yeah, yeah. we're going to hit on this 90s. This, this, like, you know, four-paragraph question that's yeah. ahistorical, but yet tries to make a point that I've seen many times. All I'm, right. I'm going to try to smoke me a drink in the meantime. Uh, Renegade Culture. <laughs> <laughs> And the stressing that hit the world with a blessing. A lot of people often that cool, but how you giving back? The way I give back is through the knowledge of my raps, like a gem. For all my people caught out on the limb, who be giving in, caught out on the stem, who don't wanna win. I'm feeling you, I know you getting down like that, but what I'm saying, dog, is let me hold a little something black. I hit you back. Come on, dead dad, that's the tenth time I heard that. All you know is give me, I work hard for every penny that I make. Video and tape, LP and CD. If I fall, you feeding me. No dough to spread, always keep a level head. Long as my seeds get fed, it won't go to my head, so. Welcome to the Terror Dome. Anyway, 
Listen to Renegade Culture. We back, back, back. Your favorite podcast in the whole goddamn universe. True that, true. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to all those new podcasts that came along talking that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And we <laughs> up here bringing y'all what's really real. You feel me? In all seriousness, we here with Playback Studios, Sounds, whatever the hell they call it. Whatever the fuck. I don't know what their name is. Yes. Yeah, this is episode... 37, Seven. although 36 is a ghost. That's right true, that. True. Right here in the gentrified West End. With, oh, man, so the gentrified West End. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do our bold question real quick. In the way, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start off with you, Jared, after I read it again, because you said you had an answer for it. Jared, like, lay back, smoke a spliff, and listen to this bullshit. I'd like to hear this, all right. So 90s hip-hop, often called the golden era, or is often called the golden era. Those words are too close. Those letters are too close together. Okay. It's also disrespected women, calling them bitches and hoes. Huh. What part did this play in the downfall of our culture? Well, I never. Brother Ball, please start. So, so one, I, I, you know, I think I struggle with the concept that the, the, the culture is, is a complete, going through a complete downfall. But what I think is important to remember that it's the 1990s where there was a retrenchment of the neo-colonial order in the United States with the Telecommunications Act signed by Bill Clinton, which allowed for corporations to consolidate even further, allow for fewer to own more and have more control over what becomes popular of our culture. So, so what is, ends up happening, it was, a, it was a political blowback from the potential that was obviously seen with the emergence of, of, of hip-hop and its, its ability to radicalize populations in this country and around the world, that those corporations reorganized themselves to find new ways to make sure that they could determine what forms of the art become popular. So today we have basically two corporations that are themselves subsets of enormous conglomerates that are, are, represent maybe for Sony 6% and, and Viacom and U, UMG owned by Viacom about 14% of their overall uh, uh, revenue generation. So it's not that core component. In other words, they're not doing it to make money. They're doing it to control what's popular, to, to control what kind of ideas are, are, are widely disseminated. All right, I'm going to stop you there. That, I'm going to stop you there because that was the best is. answer. I, I got to say this, Jet. Right, the Take it out, Jet. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the producer, he has a bald head, right? So his eyebrows are sitting on top of his head like he got one big fucking mustache across the center of his head right now. Looking like Ernie and Bert, he nodded his head, you know what I'm saying? Eyebrow on the top of his head. He's like, I didn't expect such a yeah, sophisticated, well Yeah, he well thought he was going to say something. He, he's saying? talking to dumb motherfuckers with some of these other people. Uh, well, with y'all here, but now uh, we got them is, on is, the side. Is he dead? Anyway, real quick, Jared, um, we appreciate yeah. the answer. We're going we gonna to come back on that. Um, we got a few minutes, but what I, what I would like, if you can, in two minutes or less, 120 seconds, break down the uh, the myth of black buying power here in the United States because we hear so much bull to the chate, and we need to address so, that. So we hear, we, we hear it all the time. I, again, I invite people to check out. I make sure I like dot org. I got a lot of research on this. But what, but essentially what it is 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 we hear all the time we have a trillion dollars and we just foolishly spend it and that's why we're poor. But that's a myth created. Uh, for a lot of different groups, but weaponized against black Americans specifically to blame us for our, our own poverty. Uh, uh, and it's, the, the history of buying power is that it's a marketing phrase used for corporations to determine how best to market their products to various communities. And then they say through a variety of really spurious and scandalous uh, uh, variables that we end up having a trillion dollars, which is not true. We don't have any money and we uh, um, and certainly don't have enough uh, that if we spent it differently, we would become wealthy because as everybody knows, you don't spend, you know, con- wealth is not produced by consumption. Wealth is, is produced by the ownership of production. Right. Uh, so Amazing when you're just stuff. shopping, buying what is available to you, you can't become rich that way. So the whole mm-hmm. myth is a lie meant to blame poor people for being poor. So basically uh, that is the uh, black on black crime of economics. 
Absolutely. And all the reports, it's, it's really for me, it's a study of propaganda more than economics, because all of the studies go right back to the Selig Center in, in, uh, in, the, in the University of Georgia, uh, which it says itself is there to, quote, created to convey economic expertise to Georgia businesses and entrepreneurs, end quote. So it's not there to assess the condition of black people and help black people understand why we're broke. It's there to make us think that we are broke because of our own behavior, which is mm-hmm. entirely false, except to the extent that we don't become organized and revolutionary. Dr. Jed Ball's like yeah. Wu-Tang. He ain't nothing to fuck with. So anyway, <laughs> ah, anyway. That's the best compliment I've ever had. Thank hey, you for that. My you know what it's coming from me is off the motherfucking charts. Oh, it's like you're in a whole other planet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, we like to uh, invite Dr. Jed Ball and Ados to a um, a discussion, a forum right here in Atlanta, sponsored by Renegade Culture. Are you up for that, Dr. Jared Ball? I'm, I'm so up for it. I want to come live to the show anyway, but I'm so up for it that I will I will pay my own ticket and be down there if if uh, if Yvette and Tom want to have this principled public discussion that I've been trying to have for a long time. Oh, Let's do shit. It. Challenge. <laughs> so we, we, we can officially title this show, Dr. Jared Ball Issues Challenge, challenge. to Ados. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that actually would get a lot of traction if you put yes, it up like that. Debate in ATL. I think it will. Don't encourage him. Well, Don't I, encourage him. So might, Hold on. What'd you, what'd you say, brother? I said I did, so go ahead. Hey, it's right. done. <laughs> anyway, he it down. It. Yeah, that's right. Hey, hey Kamal, the only one over here nervous. He's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. He is sweating. Get him a job. Never nervous. A handkerchief. He said, he over here sweating like the Ruba in the building. Oh, anyway. That you know, wouldn't make me sweat, though. I was like, yeah, oh, they don't man, fucking tell me what man. the rumor be talking about. Shout out to my man D over in the A. You know what I'm saying? The A being Africa. Africa for y'all. Not, no doubt. Not Atlanta. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, indeed. No yes, doubt. Indeed. Bringing that fire. Bro, Jamoke, how can folks get in touch with you, get involved in the reparations movement? Jamoke, like, look, man, they're going to get me white ball. I was just trying to get this job. Then you no, put me on this Dr. Work Jed for myself. Ball. Okay, oh, that's good. Hey, right. hey. That's right. that's right. Black buying power. <laughs> Look at shot. Kalaji need a job, brother. You need to. Wow. Hook <laughs> All right, I'm, I know we probably, I know we short on time, but I did want to mention a couple things. One is that um, uh, for many years I've known about something called a Black Manifesto, and it actually happened on my birthday, April 26th, uh, five years, well, I was five years old, 1969. Oh, this is the 50th anniversary. Yeah, that too. Years, it's 50th, it's 50th anniversary of the Black Manifesto, which was James Foreman putting forward a, a, a call for reparations from white churches and white denominations and Jewish synagogues. So we're going to have a, a program here in Atlanta from May 2nd through the 5th to uh, uplift that history, but to go beyond that and challenge these churches again um, that they can, as an individual, as, as a church congregation, can begin to support reparations and make repair um, to African-American communities. And so that's going to be, uh, we're going to start off with a film made by a young brother, uh, um, I like to say a millennial, speaking to millennials about reparations. I helped him to um, put the film together. He used to live in Texas. He lives in Atlanta now. So we're going to premiere his film here in Atlanta. And then we're going to have a panel, uh, several panels and workshops around the Black Manifesto, as well as how we um, move it forward. Many churches recently have uh, passed resolutions saying they support reparations already. So we're just going to take that to the next level. Now, and th- what was that? What was those dates you spoke on? Yes, May 2nd through the 5th. Okay, May 2nd, th- those dates right there, May 2nd through the 5th, y'all mark your calendars. Two important things going on May 2nd and May 2nd through the 5th. May 2nd is the commemoration of the highway incident with Asada Shakur and Zay Malik. Wow. Um, also, uh, the other thing on May 3rd, which is a Friday, there will be a hearing for 
our main man, Imam Jamil Alameen, formerly H. Rap Brown, so we want to pack the courthouse on that. So you got a powerful weekend going on, mm-hmm. comrade. Yeah. And uh, May 4th was actually the day that um, they took over the uh, church service and demanded reparations, interrupted uh, Riverside Church. Mm, so okay. uh, that was the next week after the um, Black Manifesto. And then also the National Incorporate Convention is coming up. And we feel like because of all of the conversation mm-hmm. on reparations that people are going to really be looking at us. Minister Farrakhan has come in and endorsed the Incorporate Convention. He's putting some resources behind the Incorporate Convention this year. Um, it's going to be live streamed. Uh, and so we, we're looking forward to having a very powerful, I think, a monumental Incorporate Convention this year. It'll be in Detroit, June 20th through the 23rd. Uh, June 20th through the 23rd in Detroit, Michigan. And you can go to our website, incobraonline.org, to find out more information. Incobra, N-C-O-B-R-A, online.org. You can reach me directly at reparationj, reparations, the letter J, at gmail.com. And my direct phone is 678-437-7882. Again, that's 678-437-7882. And you can find out more what's happening well, with the Atlanta your, chapter. Is that your personal phone number? Yeah, Professor Griff, you know his personal phone number. You know what I'm saying? Dang. You know what I'm saying? He I know. You he's need someone to That's an organizer and right there. And he <laughs> said his, his joint is Reparations J. That's what they call him, Rep J in the building. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rep, Rep, Rep. Was, yeah, uh, yeah. Yo, this has been Rugged Gay Culture. The show has been about reparations. We want to thank our guest, Jared Ball. And my man, Reparations J. Yup, true that. <laughs> they in the building. You, you want to step on my line, man? I'm trying uh, to say probably. his name, man. Come on, close with that. Re- Re- reparations J. If you're tired, yo, we're going to be laughing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Renegade Culture, we out. Yes. All right, thanks, my man. Appreciate you, G. Good stuff, man. I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Peace. Anytime.